you to take them and turn to Acts chapter 2. You may not know this, but today is Pentecost Sunday. I know that some of you are thinking, oh, that means we're going to have a Holy Ghost showdown or hoedown or whatever. Well, we might before it's all over with. You never know. Uh, but I, I want to begin a two-week series of um, sermons and, and studies that uh, are practical applications about how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. You know, particularly in the Pentecostal church, we sometimes have some ideas about what the Holy Spirit does or is supposed to do. And sometimes because of our tradition, we've gotten things a little bit wompy jawed, as they would say, where I grew up. Not exactly the way that it should be. So over the next two weeks, I'm going to talk about six different functions and roles of the Holy Spirit in our life. Let me just begin by saying today that if you are saved, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are saved. Eternity is yours in heaven through Jesus Christ. But I'd also like to say to you today that there is much more for you that God has if you will pursue the deeper blessings of the Lord. And one of those things is being baptized in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Ghost. And so over the next couple of weeks, I want to begin to share with you what Scripture has to say about the Holy Spirit and how important that He is to our lives. And so we're going to begin in Acts chapter 2, and if you would join me there, beginning at verse 1, Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. It says, and when the day of Pentecost had fully come and arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at, the sound, at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they are all filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this 
is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Can you say amen to the reading of God's word? Father, thank you for the opportunity to declare your word today. Lord, I pray that you will help me to effectively communicate this message today so that those who are hearing, either here in the building or through Facebook or YouTube, that they will be able to hear and understand and make changes in their lives that will allow the Holy Spirit to be in charge and do the good things that he can do through their lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So the day of Pentecost. Now those of you who have, been growing, who have grown up in Pentecostal churches, just that word Pentecost brings to it the, with it the meaning of excitement, fire. You know, uh, we remember those old-time Holy Ghost uh, meetings where... It just it seemed like that the spirit of God just erupted in our midst. But the truth of the matter is, is that Pentecost is just a theological term, a his, historical term that means 50. Now, are you disappointed in that? It just simply means 50. But it is a reference to the day of Pentecost, which came 50 days after Passover. And so in this particular instance... 50 days after, uh, after the Passover, Pentecost took place. And then we have this beautiful story here in Acts chapter 2, how that the Spirit of God was poured out upon those who had gathered themselves in the upper room, approximately 120 people who were in the same mind and with the same accord. They were in agreement in their prayers. And in that moment, God decided that he was going to pour out his spirit upon humankind in a different kind of way, in a way that would allow the Holy Spirit to remain with us. And so this is the summary of how we get to this thing called Pentecost. But if all it is is a historical happening, then it doesn't do a whole lot of good in our lives, does it? But I'm here to tell you today that this is just not a historical story. It is a real story. It is a real phenomenon where God has declared that I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh. And sons and daughters and men and women are going to prophesy and operate in my spirit. I have good news for you today. You don't have to live this life, this Christian life, on your own power, in, in your own strength. 
You don't have to try to accomplish all the things that need to be accomplished through human methods and means. No, no, you have the Spirit of God living within you, and He is here for you, and He shall be in you, and He will do and bring about the things of God in your life. Now this week, I want to talk to you about three things that the Holy Spirit represents or does in our life. Now, next week, I'm going to bring three more different ideas. And so I would strongly encourage you to be here next week as well. But I want to begin this week and share with you some things about the Spirit of God and how it is important to our lives today. First of all, I want to share with you that the Spirit of God forecasts and fulfills promise. Let me say that again. The Spirit forecasts and fulfills promise. Have you ever been around anyone that when they showed up, there was a negative vibe vibe that came into the room? I mean, you could just see them coming, and all of a sudden, the entire atmosphere shifts. I mean, it it makes you want to run out the back door if you can possibly because you know that uh, Doubting Dan is getting ready to walk into the room and it, it just gives you negative chills all over your body and in your spirit. It's because they carry with them an attitude that is visible to all of those who are around them. But what I want to suggest to you today is, is that when the Holy Spirit is in our proximity, when he is in us, us, he brings about a positive forecast and fulfillment of promise. It is his job to carry out the promises of God in our life. Now, I want to show you how this developed. If you'll put the the scriptures on the screen and stay with me, I'd appreciate it. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Sounds like a pretty depressing thing, doesn't it? Darkness everywhere, nothing's been created, there's nothing there, but, turn to your neighbor and say, but. It says, but, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, So what I want you to see here is in the very beginning, before creation even, the Holy Spirit of God was positioned in such a place and in such a way that he could activate the will of God on the face of the earth. And when God spoke and said, then the Holy Spirit activated the word of God upon the earth. And so when he said, let there be light, the Holy Spirit activated light upon the earth when he said let there be uh, animals and, and, and vegetation then the Holy Spirit was active in that creative process you see he forecasts and he fulfills promise just the very fact that he was hovering over the earth meant that he had positioned himself he is ready to activate the promise of God in creation it's as though he's flying around there over the earth and saying, I'm ready whenever you are, Father. I've positioned myself. I'm ready to bring it to pass. And when God spoke the word, the Holy Spirit sprung into action. Let me tell you something today. The Holy
Holy Spirit of God is hovering over you. He has already positioned himself in your life so that when the promise of God needs to be activated for you and your faith meets promise, the Holy Spirit springs into action and begins to activate it in your life. He fulfills promise. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. We go a couple of hundred years, a few hundred years in advance. And we see the prophet Joel saying, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And even on the male and the female servants, in those days uh, I will pour out my spirit. And from the time that that prophecy was given by the Hebrew prophet Joel, mankind started looking for the outpouring of the Spirit of God. God had spoken. God said, I'm going to do this. I will do this. And it will not be limited. It's not just going to be on the uppity. It's not going to just be on the royalty. But it's going to be upon every man and every woman from every walk of life. Uh, There will come a time... I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And the Holy Spirit was forecasting and then went ultimately to fulfill the promise of God. You go a few more hundred years in advance and we come to John chapter 16 and verse 7. Jesus is speaking and he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper... The advocate, the comforter will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is saying, look, I've enjoyed my temporary stay here among you and on this earth. But it was never my intention for me to remain here. Because as long as I'm here in this body, I am limited to what I can do and where I can be. But I'm going away for your advantage. I'm going to go away because when I do go away, the Father is going to send the Comforter, the Holy Spirit among you so that he can be wherever he needs to be in the lives of my people. And then we go to Acts chapter 1 verses 5 through 8 and it says for John baptized you with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Is that all of it or is there more? That's all of it? Oh, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Next verse. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. Next verse. Or is that it? But there it is. But you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So what Jesus is saying is, I know you love me and I know you like it when I show up to the party, but I'm telling you there's coming a time when my work will have to advance and the only way that work can advance is for me to return into the heavenlies and become a great intercessor on your behalf 
behalf, but I will not leave you alone. I will not leave you comfortless. I will send the comforter among you, and greater works shall you do because I am going to the Father. And then we come to Acts chapter 2 and we see the fulfillment. Because it is in that upper room that all of the promises that had been given, every promise that God had started with all the way back to from creation through the prophet Joel, through the words of Jesus himself, came true and came to pass on the day of Pentecost because the Bible tells us that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit in that room. Amen. So the Spirit of God forecasts and fulfills promise. What does that mean to you right now? That means that these promises that are in this book are forecast in your spirit by the Spirit of God. And as they come to fulfillment, it is the Spirit of God in you that is working to do and the will of His good pleasure. The Spirit of God is within you working to create blessing for you. He's not trying to destroy you. He's not trying to kill you. That's the devil's job. The Satan, the, 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 the accuser of the brethren, came to steal and to kill and to destroy you. But he came so that you might have life and so that you might have it more abundantly. Amen. He forecasts and he fulfills promise. Secondly, the Spirit satisfies the need for divine presence. Now, what does that mean? That means that we need the presence of the divine in our lives. If all that we have is what this world has to offer, then we are not going to be successful. We're not going to be overcomers. We have got to have the divine presence of God in our lives. So none of us have ever seen the Father. The scripture says that we're not able to see the Father. We couldn't see the Father and live because of his glory and because of his, his amazing presence. So none of us have seen the Father I've said this through the years. I can't prove to you that the Father exists except by faith. I've never seen him. I've never touched him. It's not like the Wizard of Oz where we're off to see the wizard, the wonderful Wizard of Oz, and you pull the curtain back and you see this little weenie man back there playing with all the computers, trying to make you believe that he is some wizard when he's just some little old guy sitting behind a curtain. We have this belief or this desire that we want to see the Father. But I've come to tell you today, you're never going to see the Father until eternity comes to pass. We can't see the Father. Now, there were a few people who saw Jesus when he walked upon the face of the earth. His mother held Jesus in her arms. His father held Jesus and knew who Jesus was probably taught him how to be a good carpenter. Others who lived among him and with him, they saw him. They could touch Jesus. They knew who he was. I'm reminded of Thomas who would not believe that he was resurrected until he saw him for himself. And the scripture tells us that Jesus showed up and he said, Thomas, come here, place your hand in my hand. And he felt the spikes and where the spikes 
spike was in his hand and come and touch my side and see where they pierced me. And they put, he put his hand in the side of Jesus and he fell before him and he declared, oh my Lord and my God. He saw that Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. You've never seen Jesus. I've never seen Jesus. Oh, I've seen a few pictures or renderings of what people say he looks like. Who knows? I don't know what he looks like. I've never seen him before. But that's okay because Jesus said, I'm going to go away for your benefit and I'm going to bring the Holy Spirit into your life and he is going to be the representation of the divine presence of God within you. Look up here and look at me. When you see me, you're seeing the the divine presence of Jesus. When you see me, you're seeing the divine presence of the Father. I'm not being arrogant. I'm just telling you I'm full of the Holy Spirit. And because God lives and dwells within him, when you look at me, you ought to be seeing, seeing God. You ought to be able to see the divine presence of Jesus Christ living in my life. Let me tell you, the world's in the mess that it's in because we Christians are not living like the salt of the earth. We're not living like we're the light on the side of the hill shining forth the the light of Jesus Christ. I'm not mad at anybody, but let me tell you something. This world is never going to change until we Christians stop living in our comfortable little, little worlds trying to hide from everybody because we're afraid that they might make fun of us because of our Christian faith. The Bible says that if we're ashamed of him on earth, he will be ashamed of us. Us, uh, or in eternity. We've got to rise up and let the light of Jesus Christ shine forth out of our lives. And when we realize that we are the church, that we are his representation, that we carry his full authority on this earth because of the spirit of God that is within us, then this world will begin to change. Listen, Paul didn't walk beside people and people raised from their sickness because his shadow passed over them because of his theology or because of his education or because of his, of his thinking. No, it's because he had the divine power of the Holy Spirit that was alive and active in his life. The disciples were on their way to the temple one day and there's a man sitting there and he's begging. He's expecting to receive money. He, he can't get up. He's lame in his feet. He can't rise up and he begins to shake his little cup in expectation of some money. And Peter says, listen, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ, Rise and walk. Amen. I'm telling you, if you want to see this world change, if you want to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we don't have to pray for him to come. He already came. On the day of Pentecost, he came and he indwelled the people of God, the church. Amen. You say, well, where is he? He's in you if you're a believer. He's in you. God has deposited his spirit in you. Think about this idea of sowing seed. 
Now, Uncle Doug's here this morning, and he is one of the finest tomato growers in the world. He, you know, he, he's won fair ribbons and all that kind of stuff. This guy can grow tomatoes bigger than your head, and they taste good. And he raises them from seed. He didn't go down and buy some little local seed. He's had this seed in the Wilson family for many, many years. It's precious to him. Why, he'd rather you steal his truck than to steal the seed that he has laid back. But you know what? When he gets ready to plant those seeds, he doesn't get a bag of that seed out and just pour it out on the table and say, praise the Lord, I've done my job for this year. Make some tomatoes on that table. No, because they're not going to make tomatoes on his table. They're not in the right environment. They have not been placed in the right place. The seed is in a place where it cannot bear fruit. It has to be put in the dirt so that it can die so that life can spring forth out of that death. Something has to resurrect out of that death where the seed was planted in fertile soil. And let me tell you something. God didn't just pour out the Holy Spirit on the earth. He didn't just lay it down here on this slab of concrete and say, I hope that it does some good down there. I, I, I hope that that seed, that Holy Ghost that I put on that front row over there will do some good. No, he didn't pour the Holy Spirit out on the floor. He didn't pour it out upon the table. He didn't pour it out upon the street outside. He poured it into the people of God who were prepared to receive it and it came into their life so that it could die in them, if you will, and then resurrect to new life into the world. Let me tell you, you are a carrier of the Holy Spirit. You are a carrier. The, the, the Holy Ghost mosquito done sucked on your arm and injected you with a power that is greater than any power that you will ever have in your life. You have been infused, imbued, if you will, with the spirit of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. That's the reason no matter where you go, let me tell you, you were equipped and anointed to do the work of God. I've said this to you before, and I don't mind you calling me, and I don't mind you telling me or asking me to pray or anything like that. I'm glad, I'm glad to partner with you. But let me tell you something. You are the church. You individually are the representation of the church, and you are filled with the power of Jesus Christ, and you have the authority and the ability to speak life into the lives of other people. You have the ability. You're the church. You are able. Somebody come to me and say, well, you know, why doesn't the church do this? My answer to you would be, I don't know. Why aren't you doing that? Because you're the church. Pastor, I think our church ought to do that. Good. Get busy. Get after it. If you're thinking about it and you believe that God says that we need to do it, hey, you're the church. 
let's get busy. We always think we got to get permission from the church. I don't know if I should do this or not. I don't know if I need to ask Pastor Baker about this or not. Listen, if there's somebody on your block that's hungry and they need something to eat, you don't have to call and ask me if you should feed them. Put on a pot of beans and some cornbread and go down to their house and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, I heard about your need uh, and I'm bringing you these beans and cornbread. Throw a little cheesecake in there too. See someone hot and they need water. You don't have to call and ask me if you should give them water. Go get yourself a bottle of water and take it to them and give it to them and make sure it hadn't been cracked on the top. It's their own personal bottle of water that they can drink and find refreshing. Let me tell you, we think that revival is going to come through some supernatural just slamming of the Holy Ghost on us. No, I'm going to tell you when revival is going to take place. It's when the church of Jesus Christ rises up and lets the Spirit Spirit of Almighty God flow out of them into the world where it is needed. Man, you have the divine presence of God in you. You need to stop looking in the mirrors and saying, Oh, you're just a nothing. You're just a willy wally nothing. You just ain't got nothing. You ain't got no, you can't sing. You can't do this. You can't do that. Stop talking that nonsense into your life. You've got to discover who you are in Christ Jesus and look in that mirror and say, you may not be the most gorgeous person on the face of the earth. You may not be the most talented. You may not have this gift or that gift. But what I do have is the power and the presence and the spirit of the living God living inside of me and I can live and operate every day of my life in the power of Pentecost amen because I'm filled with his spirit and then finally the spirit is active as paraclete now paraclete is a word that in the United States we don't understand much because we don't use it much But paraclete, the definition is, a paraclete is an advocate. It is someone who stands with you. It is someone who will testify truthfully concerning a situation. Now, how many of you have ever watched Judge Judy? Can I see your hand? Some of you didn't leave it up very long. It's kind of like... I, I, my dad used to love to watch Judge Judy. He used to love wrestling. I've told you this before. His favorite wrestler was Bruno Sammartino. Loved him. He'd sit and watch him. He'd sit up late and watch Bruno wrestle. But he also loved Judge Judy. And he knew every day what time Judge Judy came on. And he'd sit there and watch that show and just laugh and cackle like crazy because it was so absurd. Well, one of the funniest things to me about the show is the advocates that they bring with them as they're standing before Judge Judy and presenting their case. Judge Judy will say, I see that you brought somebody with you to confirm your story. 
Oh, yeah, this is my aunt, this is my uncle, this is my boyfriend's boyfriend, girlfriend, and, you know, from three, three years ago, used to date them and used to whatever, you know, get by. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're here for me. They're going to tell you the truth. They're going to advocate for me. And the reason that they are there is not to advocate for the truth, but to advocate for the individual. Now, I'm going to give that just a minute to sink in. Come on, help me quit if you will. You see, they're there not to get to the truth. They're there to give the appearance of, of being innocent for their friend. And they'll tell any story that they can tell. Some of the episodes, they'll tell the story one time, and then they'll go sit down. Judge Judy will say, come back up here. Tell me that story again. They'll tell it again. They'll tell it different the second way than they did the first way. How many of you know that's true? And then they'll go sit down, and then they'll come back a third time. And they'll tell the story again, and it'll be different again. Why? Because they're not after the truth. They're trying to determine how this situation is moving and going. And so they'll say whatever needs to be said in the moment because they're not advocating for truth. They're advocating for the individual. The Holy Spirit will not do that. Now, you're not going to like what I'm about to tell you, but I'm going to tell you this anyway because you need to hear this. The Holy Spirit already knows that we're guilty. He already knows that we have fallen short of the glory of God. And when he takes his place as advocate in our life, he will advocate for the truth. That's what scripture says. He will advocate for the truth. Why is that? Because it is the truth that will set you free. It's not the law that will set you free. It's not some story that you made up that sounds good in the hearing of your ear that will set you free. It is the truth that will set you free. Now let me tell you what that looks like in practical terms. Let's say that your kid that you're raising gets mad at you because you told them to clean their room up. And you said, I need you to clean your room up up, because I believe there are cockroaches in this room. I smell something every time I come into this room that does not smell like apple pie. I want you to clean your room. And I can hear it just as clear as day. Yeah, I always on my case about cleaning my room. Why don't you clean my room? You're a terrible mother. You're a terrible father. I've seen your room. Your room looks as bad as mine. Your room smells worse than mine. You need to do a little load of laundry every now and then. And there's this conflict. There's this war that takes place. And what happens is, is that we begin starting to see ourselves the way that they see us. Well, I am. I'm a terrible mother. I'm a terrible mother. I'm a terrible father. I'm no good for nothing. And you know what? You've allowed your child 
to talk you into something that is not true about you. Let me tell you something. It's your job to change the thinking of the child. It's not the child's job to change your thinking. You're the parent. They are not. You either clean your room or sleep in the garage tonight. I don't give a rich rip which one it is. You're not going to get under my skin and make me believe I'm a bad parent, make me believe I'm a bad wife, and make me believe that I don't care about you. You're not. No, I rebuke that, and I will not receive it from you because I know who I am in Christ. How are you able to declare that? Because the Spirit of God is in you saying, I'm your advocate. I'm standing with you. Listen, don't take that. That's bad report. Whose report you going to believe? You're going to be, believe the report of that child that doesn't have the wisdom that they need to have? Or are you going to believe my report? You are a good child. You are the one that sits on the side of their bed every time that they're sick and puts a rag on their forehead when they're running a fever. And every time they throw up in the back bathroom. You're the one who cleans it up and mops it up and lets them know that they are loved and it's okay. Everything's going to be all right. Don't you let the devil or anyone else get inside of your thinking and make you think that you're something that you're not. No, you rise up and declare, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And though I may not be perfect, I am equipped and I'm anointed to do everything that God has called me to do. So kid, if you're trying to make me feel bad about who I am, you've done messed with a wrong individual. The Holy Spirit will advocate for you. Maybe it's a spouse that has said something to you that is not true and it's discouraged you and frustrated you. Listen, if you're a child of God and if you will tune your ears to the voice of the Holy Spirit, he will begin to say things to you that will give you the wisdom that you need to know how to walk through that situation properly. He'll advocate for you by his spirit, but he'll also tell you the truth. When you get out of line, You know what the Holy Ghost will do? When Judge Judy calls on the Holy Ghost to take the stand, and Judy says, I heard that such and such happened. And the Holy Ghost steps up. She says, is it true? The Holy Spirit will say, well, you know, they probably could have chosen some different words. They probably could have acted a little bit differently could have probably taken a different approach in this situation. I tell you, it wasn't too long ago I was praying for somebody. Lord, I pray. I'm going to give them a cup of water in your name, but the only reason I'm going to do it is because of the other part of the scripture that says when I do it, it's going to heap burning coals of fire on their head. I couldn't care less about whether or not they get their their thirst quenched or not I pray that you'll burn them up stop it start at the top of the head and burn them all the way down to their feet see that was my flesh if I try to argue with God the Holy Spirit he's going to advocate for the truth he's going to tell me the truth 
And he's going to say, just because you want that individual to burn up with coals of fire, I'm going to take those same coals and put them on your head. And I'm going to bring you to a place of conviction in your life so that you can repent of your sin and so that you can change your ways. Do you know what repent means? We think it means, oh, I'm so sorry, God, I'm so sorry. I ain't never going to do that again until 20 minutes from now. I'm just so sorry. I'm eat up with, I just, I'm so, oh, God, I'm such a bad person. I'm so, oh, God. No, that's not what repentance is. Repentance is just acknowledging that my actions and my attitudes are not godly, and therefore I'm going to repent. And I'm going to turn around and I'm going to walk in a different direction. And I'm going to live the way that God has called me to live. That's what repentance is. It's putting aside the old life and picking up the new life in Christ and walking in a different direction. So he is our paraclete. He advocates for truth. You say, well, I I don't like that, Pastor. And because I don't like it, I'm going to reject it. You're going to reject it if you want to. But let me tell you something today. If you're not willing to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and change things in your life that need to be changed, then you're never going to be able to mature in your faith and in your walk with Him. He'll speak the truth. You know what He spoke to me when I'm wanting to... He said, pray for those who despitefully use you. The Holy Spirit of God said that to me. Why would he say something like that? I don't want to hear that. I want to hear what I want to hear. I want some preacher to preach to me that'll say something that my itching ears want to hear. I was just listening for somebody to say amen. Thank you. Because we want that which will soothe our comfort level even if it means that we have to accommodate untruths in order to keep us comfortable. Holy Spirit won't do that. If that's what you're requiring of Him and if that's what you're wanting of Him, if that's what you're needing from Him, I'm here to tell you right now it's never going to happen. You're going to let Him advocate for you when it's true. But when it's not true... You're going to have to listen to the truth. I close with this example. How many of you several years ago remember the O.J. Simpson trial? Do you remember that? One of those events in history that you can almost tell somebody else where you were at the moment when it happened. It's just like the assassination of President Kennedy. People will say, do you remember where you were when that happened? I can remember where I was. When this OJ thing happened, I, I can remember where I was and how it all played down. But we went through the trial and, and, and went through all of the, the months and the months of the evidence and, the, and bringing it to the court and making the arguments for and against. And after all that time, the whole trial swung on a pair of gloves. How many of you remember it? that they found some black gloves, size extra large. I went back this week and I watched the video footage of that. It's very interesting to me how you can manipulate something 
if you want to badly enough. They wanted him to try on the gloves, but before he put on the leather gloves, he put on the plastic gloves. He put on rubber gloves. How many of you know what it's like to have rubber gloves on? I mean, they, they catch and they pinch and they pull and so they put those rubber gloves on him and then they gave him the leather gloves and it's interesting to me. It's like, it's like, well, pastor, you're being judgmental. You don't know what happened there. And then the famous line in a closing argument of the trial, Johnny Cochran steps up and he says, here's the way that it is. If the glove don't fit, you must acquit. You know, we want to, we want to, we want to fake about our sin. We want to, you know, we want to, well, it's not that bad. I know people who are a lot worse than I am. I only did it once. I'd have never done it in the first place if they'd have got on my case. I ain't guilty. That sin don't fit me. I ain't guilty. Ain't that right, Holy Ghost? Now, if you're not guilty, the Holy Ghost is going to step up and advocate for you. But if you're guilty, the Holy Ghost is going to say, I ain't going to say what's not true because I'm going to advocate for the truth. I'm going to say something, then we're going to sing and we're going to pray. Let me tell you something. Some of you are not making progress in your walk with the Lord because this is your posture every day. When your posture ought to be, God, I already know that you know everything about me. I know you know my heart. I know you know the intent of my heart. I know that you're aware of it. And Lord, if I'm standing in righteousness, I believe, Holy Spirit, that you will advocate for me and you will find me to be guilt-free from this situation. But I also know that you will advocate for the truth. And if I have been guilty of this shortcoming and of this sin, the only way that I'm ever going to get victory from it is to ask for your forgiveness and repent and turn from my wicked ways. And then you will pour out your spirit in such a way that I can have victory. Will you stand with me this morning? Say, well, pastor, I thought we were going to shout and stuff like that. I thought thought we were going to run the backs of the pews and do a Jericho march and all that. Isn't that what Pentecost Sunday is about? Sometimes. But sometimes Pentecost Sunday is about learning the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives and realizing that if we will free him to do a work in us, that he will take us from where we are to where we need to be. I want the prayer team to come and get in your places if you will. 
we're going to sing. And while we're singing, if you're here today and you have a prayer need of any kind, maybe that some of you need to get some sin under the blood today. Maybe some of you need to repent. Some of you need to turn and move another direction. It might be that some of you need healing in your body or you need peace about a situation. Let me tell you something. God will meet you here today. As we begin to sing, and if you have need for prayer, I want you to come and let this team pray with you today.